Good afternoon. My name is Amy Denoyles, and I am from UCF Center for Distributed Learning. And I'd like to welcome you to Leveraging Mobile Devices to uh, encourage, or I'm sorry, to support authentic learning, part of UCF's faculty seminars and online teaching. Our intention in each of these 30-minute seminars is to provide a brief treatment of a topic relevant to online teaching while connecting our participants to an array of resources for more detailed follow-up. Today's seminar will be successful in our view if you walk away with at least one new idea that you will take back to your online teaching. I'd like to acknowledge the participants on site here in Center for Distributed Learning offices as well as those participating online via Adobe Connect. Our online participants are in good hands with our online moderators, Beth Nettles and Linda Futch, John Pizzo, ensuring technical quality, as well as Baiwen Chen, who is a member of UCF's mobile initiative team. So those of you here in the room have some materials in front of you. Those are uh, online, have access to the same materials via the web links. Uh, and in the feedback form for today's session, please feel free to share any unanswered questions you have, and we'll be sure to follow up with those. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming today's speakers, Rick Brunson and Ryan Sealhammer. Good afternoon, everyone, everyone that's here in person. Thank you. I, I got an applause already. I love it. And, uh, and everyone online. So the first thing I want to jump into is some people online have already been taking a poll. And the poll is, have you ever asked students to use a mobile device smartphone or tablet for an assignment, yes or no? So if you say yes, raise your hand. No, raise your hand. OK. It's about what we have online. I think what I saw last was about 27% said no, and, or said yes, and then um, the rest said no. So, um, so that's about, about where we're at. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But it was really kind of nice to kind of pull the audience first. So the first thing I want to talk about briefly is what is mobile? Some of you might know exactly what mobile is. You might have a good idea. But a lot of you probably see mobile as these devices that you see right here on the left side of the screen. You see your tablet. You see your smartphone. You're starting to see smart watches. If you think about it, the smartphone really is not, hasn't been popular for it's been less than 10 years. Tablets, 2010. Smart watches are now something that are coming to market. So where do you think this stuff will be in five to 10 years from now? You know, we're looking at virtual, augmented, mixed reality. And we're looking at Internet of Things. We're looking at, you know, you have the Amazon Echo, you have the Nest, you have iBeacons everywhere. And these are devices that are connected to the Internet. So estimates right now have, by 2020, um, that we'll have approximately 50 to 75 billion devices connected to the Internet. So that's massive. Students will have, and everyone will have content everywhere they want it. So let's get, jump into UCF right now. So let's talk about ownership and academic use. So a recent survey of UCF students, 1,181 students, 95% of them own a smartphone, the majority being iPhones and then getting down to Androids. 57% own a tablet. That's a 20% increase from the year before, um, two years before. So you can see ownership is very high at UCF, especially on the smartphone side. So you might be asking yourself, OK, so uh, do students actually use these devices for learning? And we define learning as doing anything to support their learning. This can be anything from just looking at um, content online, taking quizzes, doing research, anything that uses these mobile devices. So 73% use them at least once a week to support their learning for smartphones, and 45% for tablets. So you can see how the usage is um, pretty high here at UCF. 
Next thing we'll talk about, we have apps for learning. So these are the top five academic apps uh, categories by UCF students. Not a surprise, UCF apps using web courses or Canvas mobile was very high. Um, UCF mobile and now the UCF apps, for virtualizing apps as well. So these are um, highly used by students. And then we go down to education, you know, flashcards, Quizlet, books, references, and then we have productivity. You'll notice here as you look at, we're looking at a trend towards consuming, not really creating. So you can see how the students are kind of seeing how uh, mobile devices and mobile apps fit into their life and their education. So let's talk a little bit about the topic of the day, supporting authentic learning. If you're not familiar with authentic learning, it's real life learning. So as Rick's going to talk about soon, tasks that provide opportunities to connect with the real world, they're unique to students' interests, they create a useful product to be shared, and they develop workforce skills, as you'll see Rick talk about. And that's really, really important, and that's really important to college students, being able to go to the workplace and actually getting a skill that they can use for their life. So talking a little bit more about this, students have these mobile devices, especially smartphones, on them all the time. They can connect to many different users. They, have, um, they can connect to the whole world. They have lots of information at the, at the at basically on this little device that sits in their pocket. It enables interactivity. Um, they consume a lot of content, as we said before, but they have the ability to produce content like never before and share it with the world instantly. So it's a very powerful tool. Smartphones have cameras, microphones, GPS, all kinds of sensors are coming to market and different kinds of devices. And one last thing I wanted to talk about is that, um, just to kind of bring this home, is that you might say, well, I have to sit in front of my students to see a lot of this stuff, so this sounds like a good face-to-face -face tool. But yeah, you can use this in mixed mode and you can use it on fully online courses as well. So this does span larger than just the face-to-face -face class. So let's talk quickly about the instructor role. So this is a really good quote here. So students' relationship with technology is complex. They recognize its value, but still need guidance when it comes to better using it for academics. So you might think, okay, my students, we have a lot of students that own these devices, so naturally, they're going to be really good with technology. They're going to know how to use these, um, they're going to know how to be proficient and use these devices to create great quality products and to support their learning. Well, it, research shows that that's really not true. They're really good at using their devices, but they're not really using it to the best of their ability for their learning. So as an instructor, you need to look at things like planning, uh, producing timelines, helping with timelines, uh, finding resources, and most importantly from our surveys, providing support and being able to support them and the use of these devices. And the last slide I want to talk about here is the mobile opportunity. So as we talked about before, 73% of students use mobile, um, use their mobile devices for learning um, at least once a week. But you can see right here in this uh, black bar here, 19% of faculty members are actually asking their students to use it. So it's a pretty small. And this is the question you answered before. So we're talking about 19%. And then with tablets, you have 45% uh, for students, and now you have 13% for instructors. So there's a gap there. And, and it's going to be important to bridge that gap and try to meet the students where they're at and what they're using. This is of the overall. Yeah, this, so these numbers, these numbers are overall users in the, in the survey. So, um, but to, so I want to bridge that gap. So we have Rick here today to talk a little bit about his experience using mobile apps and mobile devices in the classroom to talk about how maybe um, we can take advantage of this mobile opportunity. And with that? Here's Rick. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you all for coming. I uh, want to acknowledge the folks in the room. Uh, thank you for carving out 
time in your summer. Hope you are staunchly ignoring and resisting all the back to school ads that you're seeing on TV. Um, <laughs> also want to acknowledge the folks who are listening online. Thank you for being with us. Uh, I want to especially thank my Nicholson School colleagues who are here with us uh, in the room today and online as well. So thank you very much for, for coming today. So um, when we talk about leveraging mobile devices and mobile apps for learning, um, what I'm going to be talking about is visual storytelling and how you can use it in your classes no matter what your discipline is. Because storytelling is a very old human impulse. Whether you're a cave dweller in what is now Spain 7,500 years ago telling your story about how you went hunting with your dog, or whether it's 2015 and you're telling a story with a smartphone about the newest canine to join the force at the UCF PD, you're telling a visual story. And you can do this in any discipline, whether you teach psychology or whether you teach biology or uh, any discipline that's represented here in the room. You have stories to tell, and your students have stories to tell uh, about the content areas and the subject areas that you're teaching and that they're studying. So that's what I hope you'll come away with today, some ideas of how you can take these devices and these apps to equip and empower your students to tell stories and engage in authentic learning in your particular discipline. My area is journalism, so my examples today are largely going to come from a class uh, that I teach in that area. OK, thank you. So my mobile story began five years ago. I had an iPhone, got one after they came out, uh, but wasn't doing a whole lot with it besides texting, making phone calls, you know, reading uh, CNN headlines with it. And so my discovery of it as a content producing pool, a tool, excuse me, came about quite accidentally. Um, in October of 2010, my niece Tiffany called me up one day and said, hey, Uncle Rick, I'm getting baptized on Sunday. Will you and Aunt Ruth come to, to watch me at our service at our church get baptized? And she said, Four Rivers will be there. And I said, uh, praise the Lord and pass the brisket. Uh, I, I will be there. So. Um, they had their particular ceremony over at New Smyrna Beach. If you've ever been to Bethune Beach, there's a seawall above the beach. So I was standing at the seawall with my wife. There were about four to 500 people milling around on the beach as part of this service. People were going in, being baptized, coming out. Toward the end, a low-level buzz began to rise from the crowd. And it literally began to part you know, in, in Ten Commandments-style proportions. And this big, tall, 6'10", 260-pound man comes through the crowd. And I looked at him and thought, oh my god, that's Dwight Howard, who at that point was a center for the Orlando Magic. Dwight Howard had showed up to be baptized. My wife remembers talking to me at the seawall. And I'm looking, and I was no longer there. Because I shot down from the seawall down to the beach, because this had suddenly become a news story, because somebody of high prominence was there. I did not have any of the usual storytelling tools as a journalist that I used up to that point to tell stories. Usually carry a backpack with me that has all the tools that a print digital journalist would usually use. A DSLR camera, a notebook and a pen, an audio recording device, a laptop to write it up, right? I was standing there in a tank top 
and board shorts and this little thing in my pocket. That's all I had. So out of necessity, I thought, well, what can I do with this thing? On the face, it has a notebook app. It has a camera app. It has all these other things that I hadn't thought about up to that point that I could use to tell a story. So I began to snap pictures. Um, when Dwight emerged from the ocean, I went up to him, introduced myself, got a quote from him. I called my editor. I worked part-time in the sports department at the Sentinel. So I um, called my editor and said, hey, Dwight Howard just got baptized over here. You want a story? Like, yeah, send it. Well, I don't have a laptop. Where am I going to send this thing? So my wife took the keys, driving back to Orlando, and I'm writing the thing on my phone. So I email the, pic the, email the pictures, the story, um, to the editor of the Sentinel. It goes up. Within 30 minutes of the story hitting the Sentinel's website, it started getting readers, mainly because of Dwight Howard. But it started getting readers. In 30 minutes, a producer from ESPN Sports Center called me on my phone, got my number from the web editor at the Sentinel, asking if they can link to this story and have the pictures. I'm like, wow. So all of a sudden, the power of this device became very apparent to me. Um, the story was shared almost 5,000 times, 28,000 uh, clicks on it. It was huge. So that's what taught me I need to do something with this device and teach it to my students. Um, journalists now have a newsroom in their hand, literally. All the tools that are in this newsroom practically exist in a smartphone device. So I began to introduce mobile elements in our basic news reporting class, uh, JOU 2100. And what I do in this class um, with a mobile device is I teach the students to use their notebook app, their microphone app, their camera app to take notes, capture audio, take pictures, and we do one or two crowdsourcing exercises where we send students out to do what we call a reaction story. And they have to go out, interview newsmakers, or sometimes students, people on the street kind of stories, and write it, file it from the place where they're standing. Not coming back to the classroom, not coming back to the lab, find some shade under a tree, and do it. OK? Next slide. And then. Um, one of my colleagues who's listening today, Lance Spear, caught me in the hallway one day and said, hey, Rick, you're doing all these cool things with, with mobile uh, tools and devices. Maybe we should have a class. And so we took an existing course, Online Journalism 1, and repurposed it as a mobile journalism class. And in this class, we ramp it up and advance the techniques. And we concentrate mainly on video, producing video stories with your native camera app and with iMovie. This is Daniela Torres, one of the students in the, one of the first mobile journalism classes we had. I want to show you a video she produced as part of that class on an event here called the Zombie 5K. It is 
day 5K around the UCF campus, starting at the Teaching Academy and ending over at Memory Mall. Our runners have belts on them right now. Each belt has two, um, I guess, Velcro things on them, um, and they will... As they run, they will go through zombie zones. I picked to be a survivor because it's fun to see, like, in a what-if scenario, like, to see if you could actually survive. Okay, so I guess we can't show you the entire video. So you got a piece of it. Uh, yeah. So let's advance to the next slide. Uh, so what are the learning objectives and assessment tools that we use uh, in, in this course? Well, one objective is to get them to use a tool that they already use. These students sleep with their phones, right? They really like it. They're in some ways addicted to them. So mm -hmm. how can we take that tool that they already use and leverage it as a learning tool? The second thing we want to do is we want to turn them from consumers to producers because a lot of our students um, use their smartphones or their tablets to consume content passively. We want to turn them from passive to active in using devices and apps to produce content themselves. Um, the other objective and goal here is immersive learning. When you have to tell somebody else's story, you become immersed in it, and through the process of your immersion in telling somebody else's story, you're learning actively and in a more engaged way. And then how do we assess this? Everyone uh, should either, whether you're online or in the room here, have a sample copy of the rubric uh, that I use in the mobile journalism class to assess and grade uh, the competency and proficiency of their use of these devices uh, and these apps. So bottom line results, uh, we're a very practical pre-professional program in journalism. So we want our students to be employed. We want them to leave us with more than a degree, but to have, to have a job. So the mobile class, um, fortunately, has quickly developed a reputation at least in Central Florida in the media market as a place where students can obtain skills that are in high demand in newsrooms. So this is just one example from this past spring. Tori Walker, who uh, was a student in the mobile journalism class, during finals week, I got a call from the managing editor of the Lakeland Ledger, which is the newspaper that serves Polk County, uh, saying, Rick, who do you have in your mobile class who can write really well and who can turn stories around with mobile devices rather quickly and proficiently. And, uh, and I had three names that came to mind, and Tori Walker was one of them. And so uh, Tori, the very next week, went over, tested, interviewed, and got the job and said, my mobile skills and my mindset to think digital first are definitely what landed me the job. So um, are we going to try to show yeah. her video? Yeah. Let's show a sample of a video she shot as part of the class. Celebrating like uh, spring, the new year for Indians actually, and just seeing everybody come together, have fun, just color themselves. It's a lot of fun. It's a good environment. Friends come together, and it's something that can help you with stress when you forget all your stress at home. So it's a lot of fun. Color. It's a festival where you can play with everyone, no boundaries, you have lots of lots of fun. Then it's just happy holy. Yeah.
in the mobile class produce six of these story packages that include a video element, uh, a text element, and a photo element as well. So, um, and she's one of three students who, uh, from this spring's class, had a job waiting for them after they graduated, not just because of the mobile class, but the skills that they obtained in the mobile journalism class added tools to their toolbox that helped them uh, become employed. So a couple weeks ago, you may have heard about the fire at Tivoli Apartments. And um, one of our students, John Kuntz, ran over there. Uh, and he actually lives at Tivoli, grabbed his phone, and began to shoot video. And um, I don't know if we had, that's, we probably don't have time to show it. Uh, show about 15 or 20 seconds. Apartments near UCF were engulfed in flames late Sunday afternoon at Tivoli on McCulloch Road. And that's when I went into the courtyard, which my boyfriend's apartment faces. And that's when I saw the other balcony, the third floor balcony, on fire. So I immediately called the fire department. And then within two minutes, the entire balcony was on fire, going up into the roof. And other people were calling. Um, yes, it was a three alarm fire when I. Another example turned quickly uh, with, a, with a mobile device. Next slide. So the importance of modeling. Um, Ryan had referenced this earlier about how you can provide uh, technical support for your students when you're using these. It's really important. The strongest asset that we have as faculty um, has nothing to do with technology. It's the power of our example. It's our moral authority. If our students can see us implementing what we're teaching them, I think our stock rises. And uh, so. As I mentioned earlier, in addition to teaching journalism, I also work as a professional journalist part-time uh, for the Sentinel. And so um, on a couple of stories uh, in, that I show in class, this is one. You can go ahead and hit the next uh, <laughs> slide. This was a story that I was working with a, a, another writer on about um, a young man here in Central Florida who is the state's top-ranked lacrosse player. And he got a full-ride scholarship to Syracuse and uh, wants to become a cancer doctor. So I was able to do a lot of the interviews. Sorry, you have to see me in my swim trunks. I'm a beach guy. I go to the beach as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was able to conduct a couple of the interviews for this story right on the pool deck of my hotel using my notebook app and the speaker on my phone, uh, which ended up in the story in the sports section. So uh, really important to model and show that you can do this uh, as well as teach it. Next. And with that, I'll turn this over to Amy. OK. Thanks very much, Rick and Ryan. Uh, we're going to take a couple of questions from the online audience first. So is there anyone from the online audience that would like to ask a question? So while the online audience is thinking about that, we're, we'll take a couple of questions from them. And then we're going to conclude the recording of the session. But if you 
uh, we're, you're very welcome to stick around. We can have a brief Q&A session with the presenters face-to-face -face and continue online if there's any, any other online questions. So I see a couple of people are typing. So we'll give them just a, a few seconds. As a journalist, beyond a commitment to accuracy is the number one thing you have to have. You have to be curious about what's going on around you. You have to be curious that there's an Indian Sangram festival happening over at Lake Clare, and what's that about? And I, I'll go take my mobile device and cover it. So, and again, that has nothing to do with technology. It has everything to do with that expensive computer between your ears. You know, and curiosity is the jet fuel of what we do and teach, no matter what our discipline is. So, I think having that device and knowing I have to go out heightens and raises their curiosity level because out of necessity they got to I have an assignment to do so what's going on around me and on our campus that I can go cover and and, and tell as a story in a visual way okay. it looks like we have a question from online and I said before that 95% of students own a smartphone device and I'm assuming the question is what do you think about the 5% who don't have these devices and I know that's really difficult because that's 5%, but it's a very important 5%. And, um, and it's, it's one of the kind of the, the issues that we've had here with supporting mobile technologies because it's actually, more, it's actually greater than 5% in a way because everyone doesn't exactly own the same exact device. So there's probably even a wider gap there because some from, might have a smartphone, but they might own an Android from three years ago that can't support apps and stuff like that moving forward. But I'm curious, Rick, how do you handle this in your, in your classes? Uh, the, if you want to have students do a mobile assignment and they don't have the, the mobile device? Uh, on the crowdsourcing assignment, if they don't have a mobile device, um, I usually let that person stay behind in the lab and they become the rewrite person who compiles and aggregates all of the feeds that are coming in from the field. But it's rare that I, that I have a student in the class who does it. For the mobile journalism class, uh, I quickly and early send emails saying, hey, if you're enrolled in this class, you have to have a mobile device in order to take it because that's the primary tool you're going to be using uh, in the class. And that's the, and that's the most common, um, and that's the, uh, that's the most common method for people to get around that, having alternative assignments. And that could be, you know, maybe finding some sort of uh, mobile application that works with the web and, and so forth. So. I mean, this is all about making them smarter with their smartphone. They, they use it, but how can they use it in smarter ways and ways to enhance the learning and, and, and to tell the stories of others, regardless of the discipline that, uh, that, that they're in or subject area that they're in? So you answered by Wynn's question. She, had a, she already, you already answered it. Do you have the, the expectations on your syllabus about if they should have mobile? Yes. All right. Well, at this time, we're going to conclude the recording of this session. But again, any of you without a pressing need to leave are please invited to stay online and face-to-face -face for an extended Q&A period with our presenters. If you do need to leave, please complete the feedback form as this will help us continue to improve the seminars and uh, also the presentation materials for those folks online and the web links that takes you to the session webpage that has the presentation. It'll have the slides, the recording, and, and other resources from the mobile initiative team and those face-to-face, those -face, everyone will get an email, a follow-up email with a link back to the session webpage, which will have all the resources on it. So this concludes the recording. Thank you very much for listening.